Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. We're going to be going to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 uh, this morning. I'll be honest, I have, uh, I've, I've had a tough week, and in my study uh, yesterday, trying to get myself and my mind and my heart around what the Lord wanted for today, I, I had a little trouble, but I feel like the Lord has taken me to a specific place. It's not necessarily where I would have wanted to go today, but... It is where the Lord has taken me, so y'all pray for me. I want to give you really a very simple truth from this passage, and maybe just a little bit of encouragement if the Lord will help me. Uh, I know that I don't have it in me, but I know that I serve a big God. So y'all just pray for me, and and we'll ask the Lord to help us here after we read some verses here in in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The book of 1 Corinthians was written uh, from the Apostle Paul as a letter to a church that had allowed carnality to creep in and cause some serious problems. Paul said it was a shame to even, even mention the things that he'd heard of them. I mean, he was writing that first letter to Corinth. It was, a, it was an instructive letter. It was, a, uh, it, it was rebuking. Let's just say it like that. It was a reproving letter. And it was, it was hard. You read the book of 1 Corinthians, there's some great truths in there, but some of it's hard. Some of it is sharp and to the point, uh, even what we might call rough, to the point that I think Paul, some of it maybe he didn't even really want to have to write, but he knew that he did have to write it. And uh, as he comes to him in 2 Corinthians, some time has passed and now he is writing his second letter here Uh, that we have in the Word of God, and it is written for a different reason. And that reason, that that theme, if you will, that seems to kind of permeate throughout the book at different times, and he does address some things here and there, but he opens right up out the gate with something that I think had really been on his heart, and that's here in the first 11 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll read that together. Let's all stand if you would. We'll read just 11 verses together. And then we'll ask the Lord to, to bless the, the sermon this morning. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, under the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you, God, for this church. Thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning. 
Thank You for Your Holy Spirit, which I've already felt in the singing. Thank You for the Sunday school hour, God, for giving us such a, a pure and perfect Word that we might read it, Lord, and God, we might meditate on it. And God, I pray, Lord, this morning, if You would, God, please, help me to preach this Word that You've delivered to my heart. I pray that You'd help me in body, mind, and spirit to be used by You, God, Lord, to deliver it to these people as You've delivered it to my heart, that it might be a help to us today. Help us, God, to hear. Help us to learn. We love You, God. We can do nothing without You, and we need You. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. He even speaks later a bit more specifically. There was a specific man in the congregation who was committing uh, sin with his father's wife, and it was publicly known And he gave that man such a sharp instruction in the first chapter and told the other people of the church how to deal with it that they dealt with it so sharply that in chapter 2 he even tells them, y'all might need to go comfort him and try to restore him because he might despair even to death. And he he is writing to them a letter about not just that God is judge and God is righteous and God is sharp, but that He is also the God of all comfort. Comfort is something that, if, if, if I could say it this way, comfort is something that every soul on earth needs. We need it in the smallest capacity to the deepest capacity. Sometimes you just need a comfortable chair. Amen. So that your body can have some comfort and rest. Any of y'all know you may go traveling for a time or be visiting some friends and family, and, and you know, we will go and we'll go stay with some of my wife's family down in eastern Kentucky sometime, and, and we enjoy that time together. But there's something about when you get home and you lay down in your bed on your side and your body falls into that shape that your body has made in that bed because that comfort is something that you just need. Amen? It's telling that the Lord Jesus said, that he didn't have a pillow to lay his head on. That he walked a life comfortless during his ministry so that you could have a life of comfort. Amen. Because every person needs it in the smallest capacity. And you know, we put the padding in these pews and and we want comfortable seats in our car and, and we want comfortable shoes for when we go to work. Amen. We want to wear comfortable clothes when we can and just that physical comfort. But it even goes much further and much deeper than that, that that sometimes we need the comfort of being with our family and our friends and people who love us and people who care about us and and just being in a place that is is comfortable. Uh, To be at comfort is to essentially, if you will, be at peace. It is a peaceful feeling. That's what comfort is. It's going from feeling uh, unpeaceful, without peace and without comfort, to a place where you feel at ease. To be put at ease, that's comfort. Comfort is a sign to God in this passage we read. And this just shows us another way in which man is so desperately in need of God. We need God for so many reasons. We need Him for salvation first and foremost. Amen. We need Him for our health. We need Him for our our well-being. We need Him to supply our needs. Amen. We need God to provide for us. We need God to protect us. But you know what else we need from God? We need comfort. Every man and every woman on earth at some point will reach a point, a place where they are in need of a supernatural comfort. Almost as much as you would need air or water. This overwhelming feeling that if you can't get some comfort, you don't know how you're going to make it. Have you ever been in that place? Where you need God to speak to you in such a way and to show Himself to you in such a way of comfort that you need it like you need air coming up from a deep swim or you need a drink of water on a hot day and you feel like you'll die, like you're in a desert and there's nothing around and you just need the God of all comfort. Paul was talking about that. And when he was, can I tell you, he was not talking this morning as it would appear if someone were to walk in this morning and, 
and see me standing up here and I've got this suit jacket on and, and my hair is sort of fixed, I guess, and, and it looks like I'm in a good place and, you know, God sure has been good to me and He has. Amen. Someone didn't know me, they think, well, it's easy for him to say, well, that wasn't Paul. No, Paul wrote from prison cells and he wrote from the road running for his life. And when he wrote in this chapter, he wrote about specific instances in his life where he thought, this is it, I'm about to die. Where they would stone him, literally, and that God would supernaturally not allow him to die. But you know that even though he didn't die, I bet you he still felt all those stones. He still suffered. He was not writing as one, oh, God can help us through even the darkest of times when in his life he's never endured a single moment of darkness. He was writing as one who was as familiar with the comfort of God as anybody on earth ever had been. As familiar as David, who slept in caves and on rocks and ran for his life and wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. He knew the comfort of God. He understood it deeply. He understood it in such a way that, that many people did not understand it, how vitally important it is. And, and he did not just understand what it was, but he understood that it was a core part of who God is. That God is a God of all comfort. Which is to say that all comfort comes from God. Comfort, that is solace or consolation or even exhortation. It is, it is the essence of peace in troubled waters. Of consolation to the wounded and hurting. Of exhortation to the low and to the depressed and to the lowly in heart, that God is the essence of what keeps us going and what carries us through the darkest times of our lives. As the God of all comfort, He gives us the comfort of the heart. The comfort of the heart is mentioned in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 16. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work or a good word and work. God gives us comfort of the heart. That is that consolation that comes privately and, and sometimes publicly to the heart of a Christian spoken by the Holy Ghost or delivered through the saints sent by God with a message of love to the heart. To a heart that's hurting that God He sends comfort of the heart as as we're told in Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. That God is a comforter of the heart. In fact, it's the name that the Lord Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit when He said the Comforter. That's Him. That's who He is. And that comfort that He delivers is a comfort of the heart that is delivered straight to our hearts and straight to our spirit. It's a comfort of help that He sends in a time of need that that when you feel like no one is there for you and no one can help you, that God is the only one who can help you. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, Paul wrote, But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. And that sometimes God will send that comfort of help that we need through a brother or through a sister, or through a text from someone who's just thinking about you, or just praying for you, or, or sometimes He will send that money that you need for those bills, or, or He'll send that, that person along to help you with your car, or do this or do that, that God, He is the only one that can send help. Amen. The comfort of heart and comfort of help and the comfort of hope that we have. And that, that hope comes, it's that, that blessed hope from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13, how that Paul wrote concerning those who are sorrowing because of the departure of loved ones. And it seems lately there's been so much of that. Over the last year with the pandemic and with just all the affairs of life, things that are expected, things that are unexpected, the fact of the matter is the longer we live, the more partings we endure. My brother Caleb and I were leaving the graveside of our friend John 
on Wednesday. I was riding with him in his truck, and as we were pulling out of the graveside onto the road, Caleb, a little bit over, overwhelmed, I think, with everything. I mean, we all are and still were and still are. He said, this is just how it's going to be from now on. He said, the longer we live, the more of our friends and family and loved ones will have to bury us. And that's just, isn't that, doesn't that just sound like a horrible thought? It's a heartbreaking thing. And my, my friend John should still be here. He was taken. He was taken when he shouldn't have been by someone <clears throat> with evil intent. And it's easy to think about how avoidable that should have been. It's easy to think about what if we had done this or what if we had done that. Those are the thoughts of despair. Those are the thoughts of hopelessness. I was talking to one of his family members when we got back last Saturday and someone had come up to us and said, let us know if you need anything. And they said, do you have a time machine? Because that's the only thing in, in your mind you think, if I could just turn back time and stop this from happening. But that's a hopeless thought, Brother Tim. Because as far as I know, there are no time machines. I believe if there were, we'd see time travelers. That's just my opinion. Like, oh, well, you came from the, from the future. But... 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is talking to those people who have endured loss, who are sad, suffering. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then he says this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He's talking about the comfort of hope. Because we're not like those who have no said, I would not have you be ignorant. I've written these things to you concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Because those of us who are saved, and this is our story, and this is our song, and we know Him. And I can take you to that moment when I bowed my knees and I asked the Lord to save me, and I, and I know that I'm saved. And then I think about those who've gone on before me. And I think about my, my grandmother and my grandfather on my mom's side and how they've passed. And I think about others in my life who've passed. And I think about John. And I think about if I keep living life and the Lord tarries His coming, that others that I know that I love dearly will go on ahead of me to be with the Lord. That I cannot despair and sorrow because I understand this. That we have hope. That if I believe that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected, and can I tell you I believe that? That just as He was resurrected, one day they too will be resurrected. He said they'll be with Him. That He'll bring them with Him. And they'll gather up those old bones and that old dust and it'll break loose. And when it does, we'll meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And not just with Him but with all those, as Hebrews calls them in chapter 12, that great cloud of witnesses, of those men and women who have lived before us. And as we face troubles and trials, and we have partings and goodbyes and sufferings and sorrows, we do not sorrow as they that have no hope. 
Because we have the comfort of hope. We have the comfort of hope. The comfort of hope is very simply this. It's going to get better. Paul was in a place, in a dark place, looking multiple times like his life might come to an abrupt and sudden end, and he was ready. And every time up to this point when it would happen, it passed on a little longer, and he suffered and he suffered, and he knew this. Here's what he knew. There was going to come a moment when he was going to write these words. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And he was going to lay his life down and that from that moment forward, it was going to be so much better because we have hope. Because we serve the God of all comfort. He is the faithful God. A good God who comforts us in the hardest of times, who cares for us and holds us up when we're suffering and when we're hurting. He's the God of all comfort. And I like what he said there where he said he's the Father of the Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies. That's who he is. Let me give you a couple thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be done. I want you to see first some things that I believe God wants us. I just want to show you something that God has been speaking to me about and something I want you to understand and I want you to learn, and I want to learn this morning from 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And that's first, I want you to see the existence of trials. There is just no getting around it. Trials come to all of us. In this chapter, Paul has spoken concerning the trials and the difficulties. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he wrote to Timothy, he wrote these words, he said, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's just a simple fact. If we live this life for the Lord, there are going to be some tough days. There's going to be trials in the ministry. In verse number 5 of this chapter in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul spoke that the sufferings of Christ abound in us. That means that there are, th- there are things in our life that we are going to suffer and that are going to be hard and difficult as a direct result of being in service to Christ. John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus told the disciples, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Can I tell you, if, it hated, if the world hated the Lord Jesus Christ when He wandered the streets and healed their sick and, and, and fed their hungry and helped all those who wanted help and they hated Him, you better believe they're going to hate us. They'll hate you for the truth. They'll hate you for your stand. They'll hate you for your standards. They'll hate you for the Bible you use. And they'll hate you because you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. But remember this, they hated Him first. Because if you're going to be in ministry and you're going to serve God with your life, you shall suffer persecution. That's just the way it is. There are going to be hardships and trials. There are people in the last year who have lost their lives in foreign countries on the mission field because they gave their life for the service of God and because of it they suffered. Amen. They didn't get made fun of and called Bible thumpers and called names on social media. They've been killed in the streets because of their service to God. Trials exist in the ministry. They exist in the menial just the day by day. Paul, he had a life lived for the Lord. And Timothy had a life lived for the Lord. But not every single moment of Paul's life was a spiritual moment. He lived as a human being too. He worked and he lived and he traveled. And he would go about the Lord's work. And there's times he'd get in ships and just go over. He's just trying to get where he's trying to go. And people would interrupt his life because of who he was. Even just the smallest little things about who you sit with at dinner became a trial in Paul's life sometimes. In those menial things, in verse 8 he said, he would not have them be ignorant of the trouble which came to them in Asia that we were pressed out of measure above strength. <coughs> it was a daily struggle. Job said like this in Job 14.1, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. I don't know about you, but my life, sometimes <clears throat> it feels like, it feels like it, will the trouble ever end? 
You think you just got past the hump and then boom, something else will come in and hit you. <clears throat> it's not always like that. And the, and the, the honest truth standing before you today is I've known so much more joy than I've known hurt. And I've known so many more good days than bad days. And I've had a blessed, blessed life. But trouble exists in the ministry. Trouble exists in the menial days of life. Just, just sometimes things happen. And you go through suffering. And, it, and it's not because of something you've done. It's just because that's life. And sometimes things go bad. Jobs go wrong. Amen. Relationships go wrong. Trouble and trouble and sin in the world has caused such a corruption that we face so much trouble that even in the smallest things sometimes trouble can arise. It just exists. It's just a part of life. In, the, in, the, in ministry, in the menial, in their mortality, verse 8 and 9, here's what Paul said. He said, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. That means that they were in so much distress that they thought this is it. And the only thing they could trust in is that, that God would one day raise them again in the resurrection. That same hope he talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said that we were in a mortal trial. Amen. I, I bet Paul felt some of his mortality rising up when those stones were hitting him. I bet he felt that mortality rising up <clears throat> when they were on that ship and the great storm Eurachlodon came through. Even though the Lord told him, you'll survive, I bet, you, I bet you there's a couple times when a good old burst of wind hit and he thought, he faced his mortality. Sometimes in life, we face mortality. It's appointed unto man wants to die and until God comes, sends his son in the rapture to call us out of here, that's just the way things will continue to go. Sometimes it's expected and sometimes it's not. That's just the way it is. These trials come to all of us. That's the existence of trials. The fact just stands. We know this life has trials. But that's not the point of the letter. That's not the point of the chapter. That's not the point of these 11 verses. We all know that trials exist. The point that Paul's trying to make, <clears throat> he reinforces in verses 4 and 5 of this chapter. When he calls God the God of all comfort in verse number 3, and in verse 4 he says this, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. This is the example of their tribulations. <clears throat> we can all agree that troubles come, trials come, tribulations come, but Paul didn't write this to inform them, hey, I just want you all to know trouble's coming. No, he wrote them to tell them, hey, listen, trouble comes, but no matter what trial you go through, no matter what tribulation you go through, God is our comfort. Not only that, but he began to speak about how that God had comforted him in his tribulation. And that God had comforted Timothy in his tribulation. And he said this, he said that God has comforted us and maybe even allowed us to go through this tribulation so that we may be able to comfort them who are in any trouble. Why? The example of their tribulations. God wanted Paul to be an example to God's people. An example for the comfort to be shared. In verse 6, he said, <clears throat> Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Here's what he said. Our affliction, our affliction is so that you can see our affliction and see our comfort and know that we're going through it with you. We've gone through the same things and God will go through you, go through it with you. 
for the comfort to be shared. That we serve the God of all comfort and He is the faithful God and He walks us through the valley of the shadow of death and as our Lord comforts us, He is teaching us something about that comfort. That sometimes the Lord allows us to go through times of tribulation so that we can then share the comfort that God gave to us with others. That's tough. There's a preacher by the name of Kirby Campbell. He was a pastor, I don't know where, I can't remember now. He was a pastor somewhere for many years and served the Lord, his family there. They've been pastoring a church for some time. And Brother Kirby had to go in for a routine knee surgery, wasn't it? It was his knee, I believe it was. But he had to have an epidural done to have that knee surgery. And when he was there... The anesthesiologist had made a mistake on the person before him, and it was uh, the doctors had rushed in, and the person almost died. <clears throat> and he and his wife were there, and uh, I think his wife had said, "Maybe we should do this another time." But they'd already had to reschedule something anyway. He said, "We're going to go. We're we're just going to go in. We'll be over. We'll be done." <clears throat> that anesthesiologist, I guess, was in such a state over the mistake that had happened that they made another mistake, and. Uh, some incredibly rare thing happened that when they went into his spine that caused some of the nerves and different things to fuse. I can't tell you what the condition was called, but long story short, when Brother Kirby came around after that surgery, he entered into a state of being in a constant, never-ending, overwhelming sense of pain. <clears throat> it was like all the nerves in his back were sending signals throughout all of his body that he was in, he was at about a 9 or a 10 on the pain scale at all times with no, no relief. He was a preacher, pastor, family in church, serving God. <clears throat> Went to get a knee worked on after accident, playing sports or doing something, just kind of nothing big. And Suddenly his life was changed forever. He had to step down from pastoring. And uh, wasn't able to work, wasn't able to do hardly anything. And when you'd see him, <clears throat> he would go and he would speak about his testimony. And when he, we saw him at New Manor and different places, when he was talking, he'd constantly do this, go from one foot to the other, like his body's moving in a circle, moving his hands, because <clears throat> it was the only way he could get any comfort. He had to move, and they had him on different medications, and they were trying all kinds of crazy. Uh, experimental things to try and stop it. I believe now they've, they've been able to help him some, haven't they, Brooke? Last I'd heard. It's been a few years since I've seen him. But for a long time, the amount of pain he was in, I, I can't fathom it. I don't know that I've ever been on a 10. <clears throat> but that's hard. That's hard to deal with. He gave a testimony at one of the men's uh, leadership meetings, meetings at Camp Meeting a few years back in the morning, and he talked about how that he'd never be. He he he's with his children, but he can't. He could never throw a ball to his son or do any of those things. And it was just this little freak accident, something that was so avoidable that he almost didn't do, and that God had allowed him to go through that. And that he actually became a missionary, <clears throat> started a mission. What, can you remember what the name of it was? Treasure Treasure Trials Ministry. He became a preacher who traveled to speak to people about his trial, to tell them that God is enough for you in your trial. Standing there, moving. He believed and he said from his own testimony, I'm enduring this suffering as a part of the suffering of Christ so that I can be here to tell you that God can help me, He can help you. I don't like getting splinters. Amen. I don't like having an ankle that still won't cooperate. And I don't like the little sufferings I endure. And I certainly don't like the big ones I endure. But I know something. God is comfort. God is all comfort. He's consolation. 
And the sufferings that I have endured pale in comparisons to the suffering that He endured. And the reason that He endured those sufferings is so that I wouldn't have to. The example is for the comfort to be shared, and it's for Christ to be spread abroad. He said this, he said, in verse 5, the second part of verse 5, he said, Our consolation also abounded by Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing had happened to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. So what does that mean? We know that our high priest, Hebrews tells us, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. What that means very simply is this, that God, the Son, Jesus Christ, has felt all the same pains and feelings that you feel. He wept when Lazarus died, even though he knew he was the resurrection and the life, because he saw the sorrow of Mary and Martha and all those, and his heart broke for them. He brought Lazarus forth again. He knows how you feel. He came here and lived 33 years so he would know how it feels. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows our pain and he knows our sorrow. And he, is, he has come and put on flesh to feel those things. We know he did all that so that he could be for us that great sacrifice, that price paid at Calvary. And to do so, He suffered greatly. And when He suffered, He took on Himself our pains. Isn't that what the Bible tells us in Isaiah? That with our, His stripes we are healed. That He bore our sorrows. He bore our griefs. He did that for us and He took on Himself our pains and infirmities. Now, when we suffer, we become partakers of in Christ's sufferings. Because Christ is the pinnacle of suffering. That's hard, isn't it? That's what Paul said in Philippians. That I may know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul said, if I want to be like Christ and I want to experience Christ, I know that I'm going to go through trouble. And I'm going to go through trials. And I'm going to go through tribulations. But here is what else I know. That if I go through tribulations, God will comfort me. God will be my consolation. And when He is, if I will just be faithful, and I will endure the trial, and endure the tribulation, and go to God for comfort, then He will be glorified on my part. You know what it said? On your part, He is glorified. If you're reproached for His name, First Peter said, Rejoice as your partakers of His sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy, that, that through your life, even in difficulties and troubles and trials, God gets the glory. For Christ to be spread, for care, to be shown, he said in verse 11, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Here's the fact. Days of tribulation must become days of prayer. When we suffer, just this last week, and <clears throat> everything that's been going on, and others here in the church who've suffered similarly recently, Brother Dennis with the loss of his friend, and Brother Tommy and his family and Miss Angela and, and others just over the past year have lost loved ones. And, and the same question always gets asked, brother. Is there anything we can do for you? And it's just like John's sister said, yeah, get me a time machine. Because there's not. 
There's nothing I can do to make you feel better. There's nothing you can do to take away the sorrow that we feel at losing our friend. And there's, there's nothing that I can take in my hand and just fix your problems. But what I can do is pray. When people ask, what can we do for you? You know what I say? Just pray for us. Because I need it. And that's what Paul said. He said, helping together by prayer for us. That when they thought their life was going to end, Paul knows, he said it was the prayer of the saints that helped us. That our care should be shown for our brothers and sisters. And you know what? The best way that you can show your prayer or show your care for loved ones is by praying for them. Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. And we bear our burdens to God through prayer. That's the example of their tribulations. <clears throat> Turn to Romans chapter 8 and we'll be done right here. I don't know how long I've been. I didn't. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. I want, I want you to see the easing of our trouble because I know we've said it over and over through this message and we say it all the time. But it's easy to get focused on the bad when things are hard. <clears throat> it's easy to think, man, how can, I, how can I possibly get through this? How can I do this? Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says this, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. It's talking about how that we've been saved there in verse 16 and the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and that we are now heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ and that we have been adopted into the family of God. He says this, and he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then he talks about that glory and how that we have an earnest expectation of the creature, that's us, uh, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about that time and that moment when we will finally be like Him. When we will shed this corrupt, overweight, aching, sorrowful, mortal coil and put on immortality. That we earnestly anticipated, and that we're looking forward to it, and we're waiting for it, and that, that even there is a groaning in us. He said in verse 23, waiting for that adoption, the redemption of our body, when we will finally be with Him, and that all the partings won't matter, and it'll, it'll be like it never even happened. Can you imagine that moment of reuniting with your loved ones? You won't think a moment about all the sorrow you felt when they left. All you'll feel is joy. And when you see Him and put on immortality, that all the sufferings that you endured down here, that they won't even be worthy to be compared. That there's nothing that can be compared to how good it will be. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the easing of our trouble. Do we face troubles and trials? Yes, we do. Do we face suffering, loss? Sometimes we do. But it's not always going to be like this. I'll give you this testimony and we'll be done. <clears throat> when I <clears throat> got the call about John, my, my friend, uh, I knew he was saved. And I knew he was in heaven. But that was a small comfort to me in that moment. In that moment, I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with sorrow, with shock and fear and just disbelief more than anything. <clears throat> and that, that, that overwhelming feeling of sorrow, <clears throat> it really stuck with me hard and I'm still sad that he's not here anymore. But we went to that funeral and the family had asked Dad's youth choir to sing and, and they'd asked me to sing. And from the moment the first note went out in the youth choir saying, God's been good, I felt joy. I felt consolation. Because Christ is comfort. There was a casket. We were about to go and bury that shell. All I could think about was the times that John sang City of Refuge. And uh, I sang, they asked me to sing, this is just what heaven means to me. And all I could think about was that groaning. Yeah, it's hard and it's difficult. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. But we don't sorrow like those which have no hope. Because as hard as it is now, there is a corner that will turn. And it may come through the grave. And it may come through a calling out. But they'll turn a corner and it won't just be an end of death. It'll be an end of temptation. It'll be an end of sin. It'll be an end of pains and sorrows, anger and hatred, distrust and fear and all the troubles and trials and all the struggles that we face down here. One day up there we'll turn a corner and there'll just be no more of it. We'll be like Him. And in that moment, that moment, in that funeral, I felt a little bit of envy. Knowing that John got to see him before me,
because he is my comfort. Paul said that we have hope not in things we've seen, because if you've seen it, you don't have to have hope. We trust and have faith in what we have not seen. And I've never seen the Lord with my eyes. But one day my faith will become sight. And as I get down and pray and seek comfort here, and God speaks to me in my trouble and my trial and He comforts me, I know that John can just turn to Him. And there He is. And one day, you and I and all of us, we will turn a corner. And when we do, the sorrows, the trials, the tribulations and the troubles will be like a long, distant memory. Because they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory shall be revealed in us. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.